The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. morning. It is hump day here at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I am Chris Yao. Joined as always by Maurice Patton. JP Plant on the controls. And you guys are welcome to join us this morning if you would like. Give us a call 931 381 1017 if you want to talk high school sports in the first hour. Got a lot of great stuff coming up throughout the day. We have Columbia Academy football coach Charlie Lansdale scheduled for the next segment. In the second hour, we have the CEO of the Music City Grand Prix and Lawrenceburg native Matt Cruz scheduled on the show. Whoop, whoop. Yep, yep. Every time we, we mention Lawrenceburg, we should just have a little uh, sound effect that says something about JP. The Berg. <laughs> and speaking of Lawrence County, mm-hmm. big night for the folks down in Loretto last night. So definitely want to mention that, and we'll get there in the next hour. But right now, Mo, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Man, good day. Woke up early this morning, went and got my emissions test done because I live in Williamson County and got my tag all now, before 745. Now, that was your September emissions test, right? Yeah. Okay. I forgot so you're, that you, it was a thing. So you're riding dirty? I was. Not now. Okay, cool. I got the, I got the tag right after that. I just went to the, the rec center and the little kiosk and boom. Kiosk? Oh, yeah. Didn't even have to go to the courthouse oh, or anything it was you, great man you telling me something i don't know oh shoot if you don't know about it i, I will hook you up because it is is legit right, i walked then. in and walked out in less than three minutes well i ordered mine online well that'll work too back in april when oh i went when the county you clerk's call uh, and you didn't have closed. to do emissions it, bingo this guy <laughs> <sighs> anyway it's been a good day um Let's talk some high school sports as we tend to do here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Like we always do about this time. That's right. Yeah. So first we'll talk a little volleyball because had a an interesting situation yesterday mm-hmm. as we we talked with Joe Williams about COVID nineteen and the issues surrounding some football teams in that in the area including Page and Independence and that sort of thing. So Independence played Brentwood in the semifinals of volleyball, despite their school being closed. 
due to COVID. Uh, they were defeated in straight sets by the Bruins, but that was to be expected. Um, however, the Summit Spartans were scheduled to play Ravenwood in the semifinals, but did not. And the reason is because apparently Ravenwood had a player to contract COVID-19, which set their team down. Yeah, and um, to my knowledge, that would be the first postseason COVID issue that we've run into in the area. So um, that was um, unexpected, obviously, and, and you hate to see that in the postseason. I mean, when we were talking to Bruno Reagan yesterday about – not never not knowing when your last game mm-hmm. or your last snap that kind of thing you know you kind of hate it for those ravenwood seniors in particular who thought they were going to play in One the more match, district tournament least. semifinals and all of a sudden they're they're done yep so you have to play every game match like it is your last and so now Summit and Brentwood have both punched their tickets to the region tournament, mm-hmm. and they will play today at 5 o'clock for seating. At Ravenwood. At Ravenwood. So that's going to be a, a good match. It was a five-setter the last time the two played, although the last time that they played, Brentwood was without several key players. So we'll see how this one works out i'm really interested i think it'll be a good match and i will i may try to slide over there for a little bit just to see how it turns out i'm interested to see how brentwood is continuing to to play without their veteran coach on the sidelines barbara campbell who has had some some medical issues here over the last little bit hope she's doing well and um hopefully we'll see her back before the season winds up for the Lady Bruins. Yes, absolutely. Our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Coach Campbell and her family and whatever they're going through. We we hope that you certainly find your way back to the sideline before the season ends. Also in volleyball yesterday, a district champion was crowned down in Collinwood as the Summertown Lady Eagles in the Least surprising news of the day <laughs> win their district volleyball tournament. Yeah, um, defeating county rival Loretto in the finals of, I think that was a district 11A tournament down in Collinwood. Mm-hmm. Um, Loretto defeated Hampshire in the semis. Summertown defeated Lewis County after Lewis County beat um Mount Pleasant in Monday's quarters. So that's correct. Um, I know Summertown had obviously several all district players, including um, Katie Burdett, Maya Cole Brown. Brown. Mm-hmm. I know that that she was among the those. Um, not sure who else was all district but those two definitely were um but yeah pretty easy wins there for summertown with with no worries for sure yeah i mean when you're the defending state champs 
And when you've kind of got the tradition that they have built up over the last few years, it, it kind of goes that way. All right. So let's talk about Friday night's football games that are now not Friday night's football <laughs> games and makes JP's life miserable because his Thursdays get all screwy. Well, not only do his Thursdays get all screwy, but his scoreboard shows on Friday is going to be short and repetitive. Or uh, we do a Friday Night Live on Thursday. That may yeah. be what you have to do. Well, I, think I know most... you've got Summit on, yep. which we were about. Summit will now be on WKOM on Thursday at Franklin County, right? Correct. So we've got Summit at Franklin County on Thursday. We also receive word, again, after the show. After the show every time. That Loretta will play at Mount Pleasant on Thursday. So the only other games as of right now in our area that are scheduled for Friday night are Richland at Spring Hill, which we're keeping an eye on, and Columbia Academy is scheduled to go to Trinity Christian out in Jackson on Friday. And again, we've got Charlie Lensdale coming on in the next segment, and we will confirm that on air. <laughs> and then and then at 12.30, it will change. <laughs> that's, that's been the trend. That's, that's been the troubling uh, trend for sure. Yeah, we have Ridgeland at Spring Hill still scheduled, and we have a schedule tomorrow. Uh, Spring Hill coach Ben Martin to be on the show with us so that'll be exciting and so what is that what you're going to do JP you're going to you're going to do obviously you can't do your your Thursday night DB's show this week I that guess. is correct we will not be at DB's on Thursday so we will do our regular Friday routine on Thursday this week uh Friday is a to be determined as to what type of coverage, if at all, that we do, depending on what games are still available. Gotcha. So, 5 o'clock, you will start. 5.30, you'll have Murphy's matchups. Correct, on and Thursday. Then, and then 6 o'clock, our uh, Friday Night Live pregame show. Um, featuring me, myself, and I. Featuring yeah. you, yeah. yes. <laughs> I, will, um, I will be out of pocket following tomorrow's show until monday morning so well but i'll be on friday you will be on friday i'll be on i just won't be in studio you'll be able to well you will be in studio with this beautiful camera we have sitting atop the big computer as it's so lovingly labeled here we'll beam you up scotty the big computer the big computer that's what it's labeled (laughs) uh yeah so anyway we will kind of help you navigate that throughout the rest of the week. Tomorrow will be a lot of fun. Yeah, b- bottom line, this show is where you can find out that information and, <laughs> and the social media. That's the bottom line because it is changing. It's yeah. uh, everybody's favorite word in 2020, a fluid It's a fluid situation. situation. It, <laughs> it certainly is. All right, so again... Summit at Franklin County on Thursday. Loretto at Mount Pleasant on Thursday. Richland at Spring Hill. Still scheduled for Friday at this time. When mm-hmm. we when we tried to confirm that with Athletics Director John Farmer yesterday, he said yes as of now. So that, again, fluid. Fluid. And, of course, CA traveling to Trinity on Friday. And we will find out from Coach Lansdale here in just a few minutes when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is Columbia Academy football coach Charlie Lansdale. We've still got the 
High school sports schedule coming up later this hour. Also, we'll tell you about Claudette Runk and where she stands at the state golf tournament. All that and more when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 26 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock here at WKOM 101 FM in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. It is a beautiful day outside as we look at the gorgeous (laughs) concrete mixer that is outside the front window here at Front Porch Radio. Yeah, if you're familiar with where the station is located on West 7th here in Columbia, then you know what shape West 7th has been in for the past, what, year, JP? At, uh, at least. And, of course, you know, COVID has uh, delayed uh, a few things. But I, t- I will tell you, within the last two to three weeks, there has been a lot of progress made where it felt like over the last four or five months it was minimal, although there was a lot of underground stuff that was being done but we're starting to see curbs and uh layouts and concrete when concrete starts going in that means you're somewhat on the backside. exactly uh, coming down the home stretch which is a good sign it it is going to look really really nice and will be uh, i do believe worth it once it's all said and done well i'll tell you what being able to get into and get out of here from west 7th will be a great improvement over our ordeal getting out of the back parking lot yesterday when we had to um, run through some um, tree surgery. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot oh, going it was on. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, because there was no way to get out of the front side by, you know, by the pizza joint here. And the alleyway was kind of littered with tree limbs that have been cut by the landscaping folks and of course the one day that we don't drive my forerunner to work is that day uh we're in moe's low to the ground honda which which sits significantly lower than chris's vehicle and so we're running up the interstate with branches hung under the undercarriage so meanwhile we have um after a bit of <laughs> efforting, nailed down our next guest. Which, yeah, CA head coach Charlie Lansdale is going to join us on the line here. And 
Coach, welcome into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Hey, thank you. Coach, um, appreciate you joining us. Just some, first of all, um, we needed to ask you because we've had a couple of games that were scheduled for Friday move to Thursday. When are you going to Jackson to play the Trinity? We are going on Friday. Okay. Uh, we'll leave here about 3.15. Okay. All right, so you are playing that game on Friday. Um, next yeah. thing we wanted to ask you, this being your first game coming out of the pause for COVID, um, what's this last two weeks been like for you guys? Well, it's it's been a time of uh, – it definitely gave us time to reflect and uh, evaluate things and, uh, you know, try to figure out a way to – to get our offense going uh we haven't done a very good job of uh putting the ball in the end zone and you know it it was pretty obvious to the coaches and and players that we had to make some changes and uh so we we worked on a few things this last couple of weeks that, that we feel like uh will help us and uh, hopefully hopefully we'll see the results of that friday coach obviously with that the news that Franklin Walker will not be part of your offense for the remainder of the season, that has to right. be a tough blow. So is that something that you've had to obvious, I'm sure you've had to kind of scheme around your other options. Well, yeah, you know, it's been, <clears throat> it's been a crazy year. As everybody knows, everybody's had to deal with, with certain things. Uh, and we definitely, uh, beginning the year knew that we wanted to get Franklin, the, the football on offense and get the ball in his hands. And, and, uh, because he is such a great athlete and he brings so much firepower to our offense. And, and so losing him, uh, was, was definitely a, a blow, uh, to, you know, to the team, and uh, I hate it for him. I always hate injuries, injuries, especially this kind that that pretty much ends your season and and possibly your your athletic career in high school. And so we hurt for him, uh, and and wish him the best. And but we also know we got to move forward, and that's what he wants us to do. And and so that's what we're doing, and and we're. We're figuring out. You're exactly right. Right. We're figuring out ways. Okay. How can we? We know we can't replace him, uh, but how can we make up maybe a little bit of that difference and and uh, you know just just do things so that we can move that ball down the field, pick up first downs, and and get in the end zone. What does an offense without Franklin Walker look like? Do you feel like? Well, for us, it looks like wing T. And and so we're going back to the wing tee, uh, and uh, we'll 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 do things a little different, uh, a lot like you, if you watched just the last seven years uh, when I when I was head coach here, um, what we've done we moved away from the wing tee this year, uh, and more of a spread type look, and and run some wing tee plays, but we kind of shelved the way. I used to do it, and now we're going back to the way I used to do it. <laughs> okay. Does, does that mean that you will go back to calling plays? Is, is that I'm going to uh, – yes. Uh, I'll be calling plays Friday night, and uh, 
I talked with uh, our offensive coordinator, Coach Anderson, and and he kind of made that suggestion uh, for me. Uh, and he, he he knows that I know that offense a little bit more. He's going to work with me. We'll work together. Uh, now there will be plays. You know, he's calling as well. But we're going to work together hand in hand. I want to kind of teach him a little bit, maybe of of some of the things that I do and the way I do it, and uh, he can pick up what he you know wants to use and. Uh, we're going to work hand in hand the rest of the year, and I, I can foresee him in the future uh, doing it. Uh, but we feel like that's just kind of the best move uh, for right now. Charlie, last year you guys opened with um with five straight losses, and then this portion of the season was when you guys began to kind of make your turnaround. Um, right. With this two week break that you've had to take for the pandemic. Um, you missed the um, University School of Jackson game. You also missed the Jackson Christian game, which yeah. was the first of five straight victories for you last year. Right. Um, how do you feel like you replaced that momentum that you picked up midseason last year as you go on the road to Trinity here to try to, try to get things turned around here in the second half? Yeah, you know, uh, I think what we, the way we have to look at it is, you know, that momentum had to start somewhere. And and last year, it just so happens that it started against JCS, and it gave us a chance to get into the playoffs last year. If we win that game and win the rest of them, uh, you know, it gave us gave us that opportunity. Well, that that opportunity is still here mm-hmm. this year, and and so, you know, what what do we have to do? We got to win the rest of our games. And uh, it starts Friday night. So the momentum can pick up Friday night. If we can come out of Jackson with a win, we've had two weeks, uh, which helps in a way because losing that, that summer, that, that spring training, that summer, that preseason work, uh, you just going into this year, it was such a crazy year for everyone. And, uh, so any kind of extra preparation you can get always helps. So I, I think we'll come out Friday night and uh, play a really good football game. That's our expectations. And, you know, it starts at Trinity, but our, our plans are still to make the playoffs. You all were unable to um, get back together until this past Saturday, I guess. Uh, you practiced right. on Saturday. You're on fall break this week, uh, and you're dealing with all sorts of schedule upheaval and that kind of thing how how do yeah. you keep things together and get them you know pointed in the right direction on a, on a um on a short week like this yeah well we we were able to you know to uh, with the with technology the way it mm. is and 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 be able to meet with our coaches and things like that that was the main part the kids Getting away from football for a week or so, I think was was kind of good for them, and uh, gave them a little bit of a rest. Gave some guys that have been banged up a little bit time to heal. Uh, we got together Saturday morning at 7:30 and practiced, and there was a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. Uh, the guys were ready to be back together. You know, you don't know, don't know what you got till it's gone, kind of thing. You know, and so it kind of helped everyone refocus 
and they understand how much they love playing together. And uh, we've just had a really good week of practice. And so uh, we got, you know, we got a couple more days to, to prepare. And uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. Visiting with Columbia Academy football coach Charlie Lansdale. Coach, your defense has played well much of this season obviously in the the first half of that Shelbyville game was was yeah. strong and even you know against Nashville Christian giving up just 21 points yeah how important is it for that defense to continue doing what it's been doing to give your offense a chance to to get in just to, to get a win well they they have to uh you know this is uh I'm I'm a big uh People would, might say old school type thinker, you know, but I, I do believe defense wins championships, and and our defense has always been strong uh, since I've been here. Uh, we've always uh, put together a, a really good defensive plan every week, and and they perform. They put they play very physical. Uh, like you said, uh, that's some of the things that I did during this break. I went back and watched Shelby Bull. I watched Nashville Christian who are two very good teams. And defensively, uh, we play really, really well. And uh, and so we've just got to continue uh, to do what we've been doing. And and to be honest, I don't I don't see that dropping off. We've got we've got the players and uh, and we've got the coaching staff. And and so I'm, I'm really not not too concerned about that. I, I think the defense will will continue to do what they've been doing and, and hopefully get better. Coach, how much do you think, looking back again at last year, how much do you think the second half of that schedule and the fact that you had a number of home games down the stretch helped you? And I and I ask that because yeah. this Trinity game is um, the first of three games over the next four weeks that you'll play on the road. Your only ro- uh, home game remaining is Friday week against Tipton Rosemark. I mean, how big is that in what you all are trying to do? You know, I, I don't think it plays as big of a role as, as some people might think, but I do believe it plays it plays a little bit. Yeah, we always would rather play at home, would not like to travel. Uh, we, we have a good home atmosphere and, and feel comfortable there. Um, but in a season like this season just the opportunity to play and the opportunity to know that we can get this thing turned around get into those playoffs and that's what really counts for us um it doesn't matter where we play it i, th- I think our guys are going to be ready our coaching staff's going to be ready and uh playing on the road is sometimes a lot of fun too you know <laughs> especially going in as an underdog sure i mean that's uh that's part of the building that camaraderie with your team, right? Especially a long drive to Jackson. <laughs> oh, that's the motivation. Yeah, that's <laughs> the motivation, man. Uh, we look forward to it. And uh, I, I like playing that underdog role. And, and anything I can give these kids to get them, get them ready, get them mentally prepared and, and fired up and ready to play, uh, we're going to use it. With um, Franklin basically being – I guess the most explosive member of your offense. Yeah. Who who kind of carries that mantle now going forward? Who who do you feel like is going to emerge as that playmaker? 
You know, I, I really don't think right now anyone in particular has, has stepped up to become that type of player. I, I just I don't think we have that player on the roster uh, that brings what Franklin brought to our team. Now, what we do have is a lot of very good skill players that will do what they do, and and we can spread it around, whether that's Max Ballard, whether that's Collins Malone, Chris Modesti, Nathan Thomas, Devin Del Carmen. You know, there's numerous guys offensively that, that we're going to spread the ball around to a little bit. That goes back to that wing T type thinking uh, that that I have. And, and so we'll have numerous guys uh, that will carry the load for us Hopefully, if each one of those guys step up their game just a little bit, that'll make up some of the difference uh, of losing a guy like Franklin. Coach, do you think that makes your offense a little bit more difficult to prepare for that, you know, folks can't kind of focus and, and on Franklin and then stop everybody else? Well, I do. You know, <laughs> now they're, they're – everyone has different uh, philosophies and, and – um, I am, uh, you know, a wing T coach. And so a lot of other coaches call us kind of a cult kind of because <laughs> of the way we think and, and our, our kind of philosophies. But, uh, you know, if I have numerous guys, uh, that I can get the ball to and, uh, and I can execute the offense well, um, I think it's the best offense, uh, for, for Columbia Academy and, and for me. And, and our coaching staff believes the same way. You know, it, it's a little bit unfair going into this year with Coach Anderson. He had a great offense put together, but he didn't have the spring. He didn't have the summer. He didn't have the preseason games. And, and so we went into a change just automatically, you know, overnight. And, and that was unfair to him. It was unfair to the kids. But you live and learn. And, and so – that's what we did and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna correct some things as fast as we can and and uh move in this direction here and see if see if we can get a little bit better columbia academy head football coach charlie lansdale joining us on southern middle tennessee sports today coach we appreciate your time and all of the things that you do for high school sports in murray county and for columbia academy just real quick we want to you know send our best wishes out to you we know that you had some health issues over the last couple of weeks and we, we we're yeah. glad that you are back and you will be on the sideline friday night yes well, th well thank you I, I appreciate you i appreciate all you guys are doing and uh and and everything and uh you know, call me anytime. I, I love talking football and, and would love to be on the show again. Sounds good. So we, you will be making the trip to Jackson, is that? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Yep. Sounds good. Hey, um, we appreciate it, Coach. All right. Thank you all. Hey, that's Charlie Lansdell, the um, football coach at Columbia Academy. When we come back, we are going to check in with um, or check in on Summit Junior Claudette Runk and her performance at the TSSAA large class 
state championships golf tournament down at Willowbrook in Manchester. Stay with us. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is 10 minutes to the top of the hour here at 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. And real quick, want to give a an update on our only sm-tnsports.com coverage area player in the large school state girls golf tournament Claudette Runk out of Summit she is teeing off um, in about 20 minutes in about 20 minutes yeah yeah she'll go off at 10-10 on the number one tee at Willowbrook down in Manchester after shooting an 84 in yesterday's opening round um, mm-hmm. teed off on 10 Shot a 43 on the back nine and then came back with a 41 on the front. That leaves her um, 12 over and 16 behind first day leader Isabella Vanderbeest from Vanderbeest. Yeah, there you go. It's kind of kind of intimidating. From Kingsport Dobbins Bennett, that 68 was pretty intimidating as well. But um, yeah. So you know, really up and down round for Claudette. Um, she had, she had what, two, she had two birdies. Couple birdies on the backside. She had one, two, three, four, five bogeys, a quad, and a triple. And a double. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's how you get to 16 over. Or 12, or 12 over. over. 12 yeah, over. but 16 back. You know, a, a good chance to, you know, make up some ground on day two. Certainly. You know, you get a you get a, a fulfill a feel for the for the course for the course, and we'll see how that plays for her as she tees off, like we said, in about 20 minutes. Joining us now on the hotline is um. A pretty proud former Loretta baseball coach Gary Lamb, as he got to saw um, got to see his protege, twenty eighteen graduate, twenty eighteen Gatorade National Player of the Year, and um, number seven pick in the twenty eighteen Major League Baseball Draft, Ryan Weathers, make his professional debut in Game One of the National League Division Series for the San Diego Padres against the L.A. Dodgers. Gary, did you stay up late last night? I did. I was a San Diego <laughs> Padres fan, definitely. <laughs> what did you think of um, his performance? One in the third, uh, two walks, a strikeout, no hits, and no runs. 
Oh, I'm, I was I was pleased with it. I know Brian, he's a perfectionist. He probably didn't like the walks, but you know the strikeout. It was a it was a good thing because of the way he struck the uh, Bellinger out with the inside pitch is one that we'd sent for years at Loretta, and uh, set him up good. I thought and the pop ups. You know, it it was it was a good outing for him. I thought. What did you think? Um... From when you had seen him, I guess last, what what has changed about him? Well, you know, he just it looks like he's the same as he was in high school. He just stands out there. He wants the ball. He wants to be in command. Um, I mean, just he just wanted an opportunity, and I think when the opportunity presented himself, he was ready to go because we were thinking maybe. Uh, this year, if he would have had a good outing, he might get called up towards the end. But, um, you know, realistically, a lot of people were saying next year. But we knew what he had in the tank, and we thought that, uh, you know, he'd get an opportunity this year. So it presented himself, and, and Ryan made the best of it there. And, and you know, just to go show you that um, some people that uh, he had jumped in the organization, I think, that uh, really uh, stuck out, and, and uh, he just kept on doing his thing and Ryan Ryan was developed like they wanted him to. Certainly a unique situation to make your major league debut in the National League Division series. Uh but not unprecedented either. Is is this something that, you know, w- with that playoff experience and the big game experience, that's something that he he probably didn't have much in the way of nerves last night outside of just it being the major league debut. No, I don't think so. I mean, you could see him in the background, you know, kind of getting loose. And we had several family members, former teammates that were texting me back and forth. And they said, hey, Ryan's going to be next, you know, because they could see him in the background. And I thought, well, this is nothing unusual for him being in the situations he'd been in throughout his high school career and his um, career that he had in travel ball. Uh, he was used to those situations, playing in front of big crowds. Of course, there was not a crowd there, but just being – not intimidated just for the fact that he was facing some big name people there. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think that he had said um, in one of his texts back at the beginning of the summer, he was fangirling some of the um, people that he was facing. You know, he was just in awe that, hey, I was out here pitching against these guys, but at the same time, I think he's going to be one of those people that people are going to be looking up to later too. So uh, I don't think it bothered him at all to be out there. He was just ready for the moment. You know, Gary, over your experience, at the high school coaching level, you know, what's what do you feel like the difference is between starting and coming out of the bullpen as Ryan did last night after, you know, being a starter pretty much his entire career? Well, it's a little different mindset, I'm sure, just not having the preparation that you need. It's just uh, you don't know exactly when. I'm sure they, they told him, hey, if this happens, then you're going to be in this situation there. But you know, the, the mentality of being a starter uh, to go just to, to go out there and throw an inning or two or whatever, uh, it's it's a different ball game there. And I think uh, David would tell you the same thing as dad uh, because the simple fact is you know what you're going to do. And then it's spur a moment to be called on. You know, who would have thought the guy would have left after, you know, throwing one inning last night. So it's um, – it's one of those things that Ryan is, is prepared for all different types of situations there, and, and he adjusted well to it, and I think we'll see him further more in this series. Speaking with Gary Lamb, former Loretta baseball coach, about Ryan Weathers, who made his Major League Baseball debut last night against the Dodgers in the playoffs for the Padres. Um, 
Gary, do you feel like this type of situation has a little bit more of an impact in a small town like Loretto, the way everybody kind of rallies around Ryan, as opposed to maybe in a bigger community? Oh, I think so. I mean, it's it's not overlooked here in Loretta. And uh, this morning when I went out to get a newspaper, uh, I think I got my hands on a Times Daily. And then I was looking for Tennessee. And then, of course, it was already sold out. So people, you know, as I was going into the store, said, hey, coach, you must be proud of, of Ryan last night. I said, yeah, I sure am. And I bet there was four or five people that stopped me just on the way inside to get a newspaper there so you know people people keep up with uh, small town people i think better uh, than a larger city most definitely we managed to get a story up on our website at sm-tnsports.com i caught gary about two hours before first pitch and i knew if i had waited much longer than that i probably wouldn't have gotten him but um gary we appreciate you visiting with us i certainly appreciate you um spending some time with me last night before yeah. the game for that article well, I appreciate well. that, too, because it, uh, yeah, it, it meant a lot to a lot of people. I think you were the first one that got it, and I appreciate you doing that. I know a lot of people enjoyed reading it, and so I appreciate you uh, calling and, and getting my little piece for it. But um, it was uh, it was good. I sure appreciate that, Bo. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate you. Enjoy right, enjoy the rest of Ryan's career, and we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. All right, then. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Coach. Hall of Famer, yes, Gary Lamb, on the line here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. A just a you know, Major League Baseball in this whole situation without fans and whatnot, it's just, it's got to be just a weird you know to make your Major League debut in the playoffs with a team that you know playing the Dodgers the easily the favorite in that series you know it just it, it's got to be weird but it, it's it's been weird there had only been two guys that had made their major league base uh major league debuts in the playoffs there have been three in this playoff season yeah, it's it's a weird season 2020 man Here you go. when we come back we'll talk about the rest of the playoffs including our bravos who get a big win over the marlins yesterday We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries and their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is the second hour on Hump Day, which means we are officially on the downward slide to the end of the week. Right now, we're going to bring in a special news bulletin.
So that Friday night football schedule that we were talking about went from four games to two games. It is now one as Richland and Spring Hill, who were scheduled to play on Friday night, have moved their game not only when, but where. That game will now be played at 7 o'clock Thursday night in Linville at Wayne Hobbs Stadium. Um, not quite sure what was behind the location change, but again, Richland Spring Hill is now being played Thursday night at Richland. Kickoff will be at 7 o'clock. According to Spring Hill Athletics Director John Farmer, tickets that have been sold online for the Friday game at Spring Hill will be honored at the Thursday game at Richland. Once again, that is Spring Hill at Richland. Thursday. Thursday night, 7 p.m. All tickets previously sold will be honored. Pretty big news there. We finally got to break some on on, on the show. Yay! Yay! Yeah, so now our Thursday night lineup of um, sm-tnsports.com games is Summit at Franklin County, Loretto at Mount Pleasant, and Spring Hill at Richland. So the only the there only Friday night game involving a local team will be Columbia Academy, as we just spoke with Charlie Lansdale and confirmed. Columbia Academy will be traveling Friday to Trinity Christian Academy out in Jackson. For now. As of right this second. As of ten oh six on Wednesday. That is the plan. Schedule subject to change. It's a fluid situation. <laughs> it's a fluid situation. <laughs> yeah. We're just gonna get, get. Is that a song? If it's not, get get somebody to write that one real quick. Just just for the jingle. Give it to whoever it was that wrote that other one that Brent, you brought in here this morning. Yeah, yeah. Brent Cobb. He can. He he could write uh, anything into a song. Christmas ornaments. He figure it out. I don't know. Um. So before the news broke while we were in our break uh we were talking it's good timing it was great timing yeah um we were talking with former loretto baseball coach gary lamb about ryan weathers making his major league debut last night in the nlds yesterday also in the nlds the atlanta braves scored six runs in the seventh inning behind Two powerful home runs and a Marcelo Zuna uh, fought off inside pitch. He scored. He, he got us. A, he tied the game with a, a, an RBI single. So again, the Braves. Once again, the Marlins get up and the Braves come back. And it's got to be getting old if you're Don Mattingly and his team. But you know what, though. I don't feel sorry for him. And oh, I don't feel why. bad and, for him. I'm just and, saying. And, well, but I, I might under normal circumstances. It's like, wow, this keeps happening. It keeps happening. But. You know what so, else keeps happening? So, Ozuna. I mean, I'm sorry. Acuna. I'm getting my vowels mixed up. Ronald Acuna Jr., bottom of the first, solo homer, oppo, off Sandy Alcantara. Second A.B., Acuna wears one in the hip. Just so happens. It yeah. got away. I'm trying to I'm trying to pitch inside. Blah, blah, blah. 
That's the fifth time he's been hit by the Marlins. The fifth time. And here's the thing. It's like I, I tweeted this yesterday, and, and I, I fully believe this. You can say what you want. But either one of two things is the case. All right? Either the Miami Marlins have the absolute worst control of any MLB <laughs> staff in history. Or... Or they have zero fear that anyone can or will do anything about them hitting Ronald Acuna Jr. And this is Exhibit A as to why I hate the DH. Yeah, we've talked about that. He's not a DH fan because Alcantara never had to get up on the uh, in the yeah. box. At no point. This happened in what? Was it the fourth inning when he got hit? It, it was, was a second uh, at bat. Right. I, I think it was. And, and Alcantara pitched... Six full? Uh, yeah. Six full. I think he pitched into the seventh. I mean, he had. Um, I'm not well, sure he got no, in the outs in the seventh. Yeah, I don't know how many at-bats he would have had in that time. But, I mean, there would have been plenty, ample opportunity if the DH is not in place for him to at least get knocked down, and he would have. That's the thing. I mean, it's pretty obvious that the Miami Marlins have no fear of any repercussion because if well, and, it, and it doesn't help when the umpire as soon as Acuna gets hit comes out and issues warnings to both dugouts to both dugouts and that's the problem you can't do that you can't do that I mean that would be like issuing a sideline warning to both teams because <laughs> because one was yeah on the field one was on the field yeah it doesn't make any sense so what I mean at this point I and obviously not in the playoffs. But at this point... I think those guys have long memories, though. I think Snitker's got a long memory. And well, I think this will come up again next year. And that's it. Like, that's the thing. At this point, they're daring somebody to do something, do something about, about it. it. Well, you, I mean, even in the postgame comments, when Alcantara about. says, if he wants to fight, I want to fight too. Where is that coming from? I mean, it wasn't like he charged the mound. No. He, he was wa- he was walking around because that stuff hurts. He just hit. He just he, took one on the he, hip. He at just took ninety seven on the hip. Doesn't feel good. You can't. I, I can, well, I can't imagine. I, I know the hardest I got hit was by former Columbia State pitcher Michael Cannonball Covington when we were playing eleven Can- twelve. See, this guy's old enough to have played against folks with nicknames, cool nicknames. Cannon. Well, here's the thing. Cannonball was like five two. In any direction. So, gotcha. <laughs> he, so he's uh, as big around as he is tall, boys. So, so Sounds appropriate. He he wore his he wore his nickname well. Great guy. Works for the Williamson County Sheriff's Department now. Maybe he's listening. Cannonball. Hey. Um. Anyway, <laughs> hardest I've ever been hit. Helped hasten my the end of my baseball career <laughs> because I didn't want that to happen ever again. But oh. um, you know that. It's got to hurt. And so he's walking around trying to walk it off, and they're talking like he's trying to come to the mound. If if you think Acuna couldn't have gotten to the mound if he had oh, wanted yeah, to. He, was, he would have gotten there. He, he was holding a bat. Yeah, and you pointed <laughs> that out. He never dropped the he bat. He never dropped the bat. Because <laughs> you never know. Come on out. We'll see what happens. If not, it'll be Amir Garrett. It, right. <laughs> we, we will go find somebody if we Something to. needs to happen, though. But, yes, something needs to happen. At this point, they, they need to say – if you hit Acuna again, no matter whether you meant to or not, we're spinning the brim on your helmet. Well, 
if if not if if not the Braves, but Major League Baseball needs to do something at this point. I mean, it, you can't tell me that it is just just so happens that it's always Ronald Acuna, always in his next at bat, always in his next at bat. You know, we had to establish inside. Well, don't do that because if you if you miss high and inside. He's going to take it well, I mean, yard you've already, again. You, you've already broken his hand once. That's right. You've broken his hand. You've now pr- potentially given him a bruised hip. He didn't he, – he, to be fair, though, he looked none the worse for wear scoring on that extra base hit after he got hit. And all they got in retaliation was a – A half, lollipop off speed on somebody's shoulder – Six innings later. Well, that I, I was talking about Acuna's slide into second oh, base. Oh, but that oh, was, <laughs> yeah. If that's the worst you're going to get, that's a. I mean, he was just trying to break up a double play. I mean, it wasn't like okay, it could have been worse. It was not Chase Utley bad. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, he didn't go in hard. He did go in high, but he didn't go in hard. That's my point. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't like he went in like Utley did and basically tried to. Kill somebody. Not somebody <laughs> in the left field. Yeah. Hey, he, he could have gone Hal McRae on somebody. I mean, go back and look at some of those clips. So, I mean, that's – that. anyway, not a great outing for Max Freed. Came out after four. But, again, now the Braves are 12-1 and one anytime he starts because he gives his team a chance to win. As long as he can keep his team in the game, anywhere near the middle of it, that offense is going to find a way, especially against these Marlins in their bullpen. The Marlins have a great pitching staff. Young, very good pitching staff. But once you get to that bullpen, the Braves tear it up. That and because Joe Simpson apparently eats double-stuffed Oreos, according to the radio broadcast to which my dad was listening yesterday. Whatever works. My dad being asleep and Joe Simpson's double-stuffed Oreos in the seventh inning, clearly the the winning combination. It's about time for that nap, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> they will play again at 1 o'clock today, first pitch on MLB Network, and I'm not even sure we have MLB Network around here. so I think we can get it on YouTube TV. Uh, we can figure something out. We will figure does something anybody, out. Does anybody have a login <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, this is this is going to be a, a big one. Uh, you've got a first-time starter in uh, Ian Anderson. Well, Ian Anderson it started last. I'm talking about oh. Pablo, um, whoever he's throwing against. Cruz. Pablo Cruz. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So the um, it, it will be his first start in. The postseason, his first postseason start, and he'll be throwing against Ian Anderson. And Anderson threw, again, six scoreless in his debut in the Reds series. So it's it should be a great matchup. Again, this Marlins offense is really good, and there, there will have to be some – obviously, you know, it's going to be a tough day for Ian, but if – if just, you can keep it hang, within four or five runs, there we go. That's Pablo, all that you need. Pablo Lopez. Lopez. See, you were the, close. Making the start for Miami. That's like Smith. 
<laughs> it is. <laughs> so there you go. Um, anyway, Braves, Marlins, one o'clock. What else happened yesterday in the American League? We know the Dodgers won five to one over the Padres. Braves get a nine five win over Miami. In the American League, Houston took a two nothing lead in their series against Oakland. Um, not sure what that score was. Hang on. Please hold. 5-2. The Astros defeat the A's again in game two. Um, Tampa Bay and the Yankees are tied at one apiece after the Rays defeated the Yankees 7-5 yesterday. So. Hate to see it. Houston. I, just, I hate to see that. I, I just It just kills me when the Yankees lose. It breaks my heart into <laughs> tiny tiny pieces <laughs> so houston can close out oakland today um again the yankees and the rays will play their game three today as well and we've already discussed the national league so that's where we're at there you go all right we've got a very special guest coming up on the other side of this break as lawrenceburg that, that's Whoop, whoop. Yay! <laughs> Lawrenceburg native Matt Cruz joins us. He is the CEO of the newly announced Music City Grand Prix, which is going to be absolutely enthralling. I cannot wait to see this thing happen. It's going to be exciting, and we will talk to him about how it came about, what you can expect, and much more on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay tuned. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. <laughs> Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 20 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock on Wednesday, October 7th. We've got Wild and Wacky Wednesday coming up later this hour. Make sure to stick around for that. Crazy news from around the world and the United States, of course. Right now, however, we have a very special guest on the line. As mentioned on the other side of that break, Lawrenceburg native. Whoop whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we say it, that's that's gonna be the the new. We're yeah. gonna have to get that uh, recorded, Joe. So go. you don't have to. You don't have to like. Yeah, it's gonna get old. <laughs> uh, CEO of the Music City Grand Prix, and of course, former Middle Tennessee State Blue Raider, Matt Cruz. Matt, welcome in. Good morning, guys. <laughs> so, Matt, explain to to the uninitiated how one goes from kicking field goals and playing for Boots Donnelly to um, CEO of the Music City Grand Prix. Well, I think if you play for Boots Donnelly, you want to get as far away from football as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Make sure to cut uh, that part, no. JP, because <laughs> so, we're going to need that. <laughs> love Coach Dolly. No, I had a great conversation. I, I talked to him frequently, and we had a great conversation yesterday morning. And he uh, he has volunteered to drive uh, if we have anybody fall out. So uh, <laughs> he could drive the pace car. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he's so funny. I still, you know, I'm fortunate enough to get stay in contact with him, been involved in one of his char- charitable initiatives for the last, you know, 15 or so years. And he has not changed a bit. So he's, uh, but he, uh, I tell you what he does. I mean, he, you know, you, you learn from Coach Donnelly to, you know, how to persevere and not give up. And, you know, this Grand Prix was about a five year project that has been on again, off again. And, you know, truly, I don't want to give him any credit for it, but you probably, you know, probably some of the things you learned from him is probably one of the reasons that we were able to, you know, keep our head down and get to the, you know, get to where we are today. In all seriousness, though, I mean, how did you manage to get into Grand Prix racing coming well, from coming from the background that you sure. came from? Yeah. So, you know, my, I guess my early introduction into motorsports was when I was a senior at MTSU, uh, there was a place kicker at Memphis state named Joey Allison, who was Davey Allison's nephew, uh, and got to know Joey a little bit, uh, got to meet Davey, uh, you know, a few times and sort of wetted, wetted my appetite. I had not really been around it much. My brother was a huge race fan. Uh, and you know, I spent most of my time in sports. And so once football was over, you know, he'd taken me to some races. Uh, I got interested again. I mean, like, like most younger brothers, I mean, your older brother's your hero and, 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 you know, he wanted to be a race car driver. So I was like, well, we can do this and, you know, not have no idea what, what we were doing, bought a race car, uh, or successful at getting sponsors at times. And, you know, we went from a, a pretty rapidly from running short tracks in Huntsville, Alabama to running Daytona in the goodies dash series. And, uh, and it just sort of grew from there. I uh, had a, had a great opportunity to go work for a sponsor who was, uh, who was getting into racing. Uh, we sponsored a car at Bruco Motorsports at the time and had the opportunity to stay at Bruco in the early two thousands. And ultimately, uh, was there throughout my career. Then Bruco was sold to Mike Kerb and Gary Baker, uh, moved here to Nashville and I was the president of that team at that time. And, uh, so all the above. And then, and then around, we've always too been very involved in the activation side of, uh, of our sponsors events. So aside from the racing part, we were doing a lot of the promotional work for our sponsors. And, you know, so over the course of time, I, you know, when you're, when you're racing in NASCAR, you're on the road 40 weeks a year. And I was like, you know, I, I would love to do something. I am I'm a proud Nashvilleian. I was like, I'd love to do something in Nashville. And, that's sort of the path that we, we started working down five years ago. I mean, Nashville's in a great vent city. It, it throws a great party. Uh, <laughs> and if these things are done right, that's what it is. I mean, you know, we're as much a music festival as we are a race. Uh, and, you know, I've always said kind of kiddingly, I hope half the people leave our event and never see a car and have the time of their life. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're I was literally over at the stadium today. I'm back over there tomorrow. You know, we're laying out where the four music stages will be, uh, you know, where the different food courts will be. And, and that's kind of, you know, that, that's the vision is let's create a festival that expands Nashville's reach, you know, more internationally than, than some of our other events here in Nashville. Uh, you know, IndyCar will bring a great show. The support series will bring a great show. Let's combine that with great music, great food. And then the hospitality that Nashville does. I mean, Nashvilleians know how to take care of our guests. And I think we can show both race fans and non-race fans, you know, a, a weekend uh, that hopefully is on the Nashville calendar for the next 40 years. You know, as you say that, and we're talking with Matt Cruz, CEO of the Music City Grand Prix and Lawrenceburg native, 
Up, up. <laughs> Caught him off guard. Um, <laughs> the, the transition from NASCAR, I mean, you were your background as far as racing goes is in stock mm-hmm. cars. Going from stock cars to Indy cars and an Indy car event, what's that been like? I mean, they're they're all just events. I mean, you know, we're I mean, sure on the technical side there's probably a little different, but they're all you know, if you look at the NASCAR schedule right now, the the events that continue to thrive are the ones that are big parties. I always I always tell people Watkins Glen, mm-hmm. Michigan, Talladega are the ones that really uh, have embraced kind of the rowdiness of, of, of the event. Uh, we've been fortunate at, still at Bruco to be a big part of those weekends. We produce the music at most of those events and are kind of involved. So we look at it more from that angle. I mean, you, you know, you leave it up to IndyCar to, 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 to provide, you know, a great racing. Uh, we, we've, we've been fortunate enough to work with probably, in my opinion, the top track designer in the world uh, who really, I mean, and, you know, a, a racetrack doesn't just evolve overnight. Tony Kopman's probably spent four years in Nashville, you know, getting the track design right. And, you know, so unlike most temporary road courses that you'll see, I mean, we have two straightaways that are the length of the front stretch in Indianapolis. Uh, and that's rare in temporary street races. Uh, racing over a body of water with, you know, considerable elevation drop over the Korean Veterans Bridge. I mean, it's just there's some spectacular elements of this event that just aren't going to be seen anywhere else. Speaking of racing over the Cumberland River, this is the largest or the longest stretch over a body of water an IndyCar has ever raced. Is that correct? Yeah, it's yes. And I don't know that they've ever really done. I did get an email. There was a sports car race in Iowa maybe a few years ago that went over a bridge. But, you know, we can't determine that they've ever even done this before. Uh, That's amazing. But again, again and, I, and I've told people from day one is, you know, this is an event that's shown in 160 countries. This is kind of for a lot of people, you know, the first impression they're ever going to see of Nashville, Tennessee. And as the Korean Veteran Bridge becomes more and more of the landmark welcoming people into our incredibly growing city. I was just in a high rise downtown an hour ago overlooking the track. And, you know, if we're going to show the world Nashville, we may as well show our best side. And I think the bridge is just going to be spectacular. And the race will be great. It's wide. It's uh, I mean, we have a we have a basically a five lane entrance into turn one at the end of a 2000 foot straightaway. I mean, it's the race will be phenomenal. The optics will be as good or better. You can you can't get two things that I'm more excited about together than auto racing and and, and music. Those yeah. are probably two of my favorite things in the world being from the Birmingham area and growing up watching the the folks that, you know, like I said, Davey Allison and when you said his name it just makes my heart happy. Uh, yeah. love that guy and um so when you think about the music aspect and the racing aspect, how, how do they go together you know, with with Nashville? How does that make this event different from every other event that IndyCar puts on? Well, I mean, I think you, you start with Nashville to start with. I mean, you know, we have an inherent home field advantage as it comes to events. Nothing against some of the other cities on the IndyCar circuit, but Again, I mean, Nashville, just by the numbers, we do the, the biggest fireworks event in America on an annual basis. We do the mm-hmm. second biggest New Year's Eve event in, on an annual basis. The draft was the biggest draft ever and will never be topped. You know, the Stanley Cup playoffs will never be topped what Nashville does. So you start with an inherent home field advantage of a city that knows how to do events. Uh, 
fascinating conversation. We were meeting with Mr. Pensky a few months back and Butch Spiridon, who heads up the Convention Visitors Bureau, who's kind of been responsible for what you see at Nashville as an event city, just to hear him talk. And, you know, you hear Mr. Pensky's concerning questions about the complications of, of doing events in cities. And, and then when you hear Butch and you work with Metro Fire and Police and Public Works, you understand why events work here. I mean, people get it. I mean, they understand that this is, you know, this is kind of our biggest export here. And it's just different than dealing with other cities. So you start with an inherent home field advantage. Uh, and then, I mean, this is the hub of the music industry and not just country. I mean, the number of A-list artists that have reached out to us in the last two weeks who aren't country artists who want to figure out how to be involved, uh, it just it just sets the bar or just gives us an opportunity to do something that wows people on a daily basis. And, and I mean, obviously, you know, we, we'll have a heavy country presence, but, you know, I think the diversity in music that you'll see as part of our event is something unlike other music festivals. You know, most, most, most music festivals you look at are pretty genre specific. So sure. I think when you, I think as we start announcing some of our music offerings, you'll see a pretty diverse, uh, You'll see a pretty diverse lineup, but with four stages on property, at least three stages, probably four stages, uh, you know, you'll have opportunity to see a lot of different types of music or you may just want to stick to your genre and, and we can provide that as well. Was it difficult to get IndyCar to buy into Nashville or was it a pretty easy process once you pitched it to them? No, pretty easy process. This is a huge market for them. You know, this is, you know, it goes back and forth, but anywhere from their third to fourth largest TV market, uh, you know, the Firestone located in downtown Nashville doesn't hurt. Uh, two-time IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden being a Nashvilleian. Uh, that that was probably the easiest one. It's just a matter of them marrying the right date to work around the Tennessee Titans schedule, to work around the Nashville event calendar. Uh, and but that, that they were they they were sold. And, and in the interim too. So from you know you know we were where I thought the deal was done about the time you have a wrinkle of Roger Penske buying IndyCar uh, and then really just kind of hitting pause on any new events as they tried to, you know, get their arms around, you know, new ownership, uh, making the Indy 500, everything it can be. Then you throw COVID into it. So, you know, in a perfect world, we were probably delayed about six months from announcing, but, you know, all thanks for reason. I think, you know, as Butch Spiridon said in our press conference, you know, this is a great light at the end of the tunnel that Nashville is going to be back. It's, it's coming back bigger. Uh, and this is the, the caliber of events that this city will you know, produce for the next you know century. You know, Matt, as you talk about Nashville being an event city, a, a tourism city, that kind of thing, do you feel like this is an event that will have appeal locally as well as, you know, nationally slash internationally? Oh, I think so for sure. I mean, I think there's, uh, I think there's a curiosity aspect of it. I think there's a, there's, there's a, there's a core fan base here as well. Uh, and then I also think, you know, a, a, an element that we're not even kind of projecting right now is there's a lot of people who just come to Nashville anyway on a weekend and they look at the calendar and say, okay, who's in town? What's, what's going on? And so I think we'll get all of the above. We were, uh, we were extremely delighted by within, you know, 30 minutes of our announcement, some of the feedback we were getting from some of the local hotels of people, you know, booking a date that's 11 months out, uh, it was it was interesting. I mean, it was interesting how how, how quick the interest is, even in a time of, of COVID. So I think uh, I'm I'm very very bullish as to what this looks like next summer. Is there any estimate as to the potential economic impact of this at this point? 
Yeah, there he is. I mean, you know, those numbers are those numbers are always hard to prove. Uh, so you know, people throw out massive numbers on some events, and so we everything we have done on projection wise has always been conservative. But you know, we feel like it's easy to plug a twenty to thirty million dollar economic impact number into that. Mm-hmm. But you know, unlike other events that are two or three day events, when you start looking at the international aspect of this. We really believe that you'll see a lot of our guests being here for more than that typical three days, more of a, you know, three to four to 10 days stay because, you know, this is what brought them here. But and and that's and, that, and that's hard to measure. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the real thing is, is is hotels and and, you know, I think we'll be very, very pleased as to what what that looks like uh, as we get closer. Visiting with Matt Cruz. CEO of Music City Grand Prix. When, when this idea came about, you said did did you say it took four years to get the course right? No, we've been working on it for five years, and during wow. you know four four of that years, Tony Cotman has been uh, diligently working on course design, and the the course that you see now was that that design really. You know that really is we're probably only six months into that, so that's been a recent addition and and. And I think that's, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's Mayor Cooper and his staff understanding the value of the bridge. And that just, you know, sort of changed our, changed our scope, changed our direction for sure. So a little Um, more, a little more went into it than checking out Google satellite images and (laughs) drawing some lines, huh? Okay. Just making sure. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) This is my, this is the first time I've looked at the course and, and, and it's, pretty fascinating again that's fascinating when when you when you consider working the bridge into it um and i guess being who i am i I guess i just envision somebody running into the side of the bridge i don't know that i mean that's ambitious looks like well i mean it's no different than anytime i mean so i mean the the temporary wall system that comes in for races like this uh I mean, and I say kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, if, obviously, you know, if, if there's ever a chance of a car hitting something that's not intended to be, you would never have these type of races. I mean, so so the wall system that the FIA approves uh, that we provide, you know, wall catch fish, you know, it's a temporary wall catch fish system that goes in these things. Uh, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. And, and we're fortunate enough. I mean, uh, plug MTSU. So MTSU, you know, has the leading concrete uh, construction and, and building management program in America. So we've been working closely with Dr. Heather Brown in that program for a few years on really, really utilizing this and our barricade system uh, as a highlight of what MTSU does on a daily basis. So uh, that that's kind of a shining star at MTSU as far as programs right now. And this is going to become a very real world version of, of what they do in, in, in the concrete and construction science program there. Matt Cruz, CEO of Music City Grand Prix. Matt, thanks so much for taking some time today and joining us. We really appreciate it. And this is going to be one of the premier events in Music City for years to come, no question. Yeah, and if anybody wants to check out how to get involved early, uh, then go to musiccitygp.com. You know, tickets aren't on sale yet, but we do have some memberships that are available now. And those memberships, you think of something like a PSL, uh, it's called our Founders Club. It allows you, though, for the history or for the future of the event is to every year have access to buy tickets first, parking first, 
Uh, and those are available now. So you can go to musiccitygp.com right now and kind of start that process. But that's a, you know, the only way, obviously, you know, we, we assume these tickets are going to be, you know, hot commodities. Uh, so the only way to truly guarantee not just year one, but for the life of the event to have first access to buy tickets and pick your seats, uh, you can join the Founders Club and do that today. So there you have it. MusicCityGP.com. Follow them on Twitter at MusicCityGP. Once again, Matt Cruz, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. See ya. That's going to be a blast, an absolute blast. There is, you know, stock car racing is a lot of fun, and I'm really excited, you know, to watch NASCAR race at the Daytona road course and that sort of thing. But watching a street race in Nashville, and again, like he said, those two straightaways across the bridge are as fast as the Indy front stretch, which is insane. You know, I've never been a big um, – auto racing fan but as i listened to him talk about that and i looked at this course this is something that i could pay attention to for sure absolutely that's that's what's so cool about it is it's it's so unique that someone who's not even a casual fan would be interested in and then of course you you bring in the music aspect and and it just it blows it up it makes it just more more excitement in Music City, different events, you know, not just being CMA Fest and that sort of thing. The fact that we can throw a party like no other here in this area makes us super unique and desirable to other industries, obviously. I'm just visualizing these indie cars weaving in and out of the pedal taverns. <laughs> Zero chance the bachelorettes will know that this is happening, and they're going to be really. And somebody's. They're going to be real mad, just like they were with the, with draft. the draft. They're going to be super mad, and it's going to be hilarious. Anyway, it is Wild and Wacky Wednesday, and when we come back, we're going to tell you about some of the wildest and wackiest news from around the world. Get your takes on that if you want. 931 381 We'd love to have you call in and tell us about your wild and wacky stories. Tell us if you're going to go to the Music City Grand Prix. I know I will definitely make every attempt to be there. Again, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We'll be right back. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Uh, <laughs> so, a little fresh news. LSU-Missouri football game has now been moved to Columbia. Missouri. Columbia-Missouri. Not Tennessee. Not Tennessee and not South Carolina. Which is... 
Yeah. <laughs> also not, a possibility, yeah. I guess. Not Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Oh, man. That's... Anyway. Would that not be amazing, though, to see a college football game on a high school field? <laughs> <Was> it, <laughs> can you imagine? It's like, you know, we host, obviously, every year the Tennessee softball classic here at Ridley Park. Oh, yeah, the Mid-State Classic. And it's really cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. A, a no, college football game? SEC no. at that. Like, I mean, I guess MTSU could probably play here. They could fit the 6,500 fans who showed up to homecoming hey, in there. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You weren't even COVID among the crowd. 60s. No, I was not COVID among crowd. No, I was not among the crowd. Um and <sighs> and I think I'm glad I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But you know. Anyway. Anyway, it is wild and wacky Wednesday. And yesterday I made a mistake. Just mm. FYI on top five <laughs> Tuesday. I made I made a I made a an error. And I said that Top Five Tuesday was brought to you each week by JJ's barbecue, but I was wrong. It's actually Wild and Wacky Wednesday that's brought to you by JJ's Barbecue. So they're getting an extra little bump here. Just want to tell you about JJ's Barbecue. Find them online, JJ's Barbecue with a C.com. And they do, like I said, bring you Wild and Wacky Wednesday every single week. In science news, Matthew Swartz from NPR reports that. Apparently, paradox-free time travel is theoretically possible. Theoretically possible. Great Scott. Now, countless science fiction tales have explored the paradox of what would happen if you went back in time and did something in the past that endangered the future. Obviously, back to the future when Marty McFly goes back. You know, that's kind of the big deal, like you just said, Great mm-hmm. Scott. Um, Here's the thing. According to a new paper from researchers at the University of Queensland, I assume that's in Australia. the old country. Queensland? No, I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> and, ah, ha, 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 I got you. Yeah. My bad. Um, so, even if you went back in time and it were possible, the paradox couldn't actually exist. So, it wouldn't change anything. It would just only change your thought process of it. Well, that's exactly what uh, Doc Brown said. It's an alternate universe for him, for Marty, and for Einstein, but for everybody else, it's the same. It's what they, all they know. Right. So, <laughs> here's the thing. Where where Biff is is king. Right? <laughs> if, if you could go back in time and change one thing, what would you change? Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. I know that's tough. Wow. I'm 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 pulling out the deep questions Man. today. One I thing, I mean, just go back in time and and okay, how about this? If you could go back in time and see something, what would you see? And I know you just tweeted about something you would like to see. Oh, I am, you know, with the recent passing of Bob Gibson, I I, had, I was well, and Gail Sayers before that. Uh, seeing some of those guys in their prime would have really been. Fun. It kind of feels like even now that was kind of the renaissance of sports, the late 60s, early 70s, that kind of thing. So that's probably where I would have gone if given the opportunity. Man. What about you, Chris? Do you I have mean, something in mind? You know, I, I, not really, but you I would. Pose the question. I would, I would probably go back and watch one of those old um, Rolling Stones stadium concerts. Okay. I know they had one 
I, I believe they they had one at Legion Field in Birmingham where there were several big name acts there headlined by the Stones, and I'd, I'd probably just want to go see that because the uh, the current tour is not quite the same. <laughs> I actually saw the Michael Jackson Thriller tour at Neyland Stadium. So that's that's the that's kind of stuff I, I would I would yeah. love to se- to have seen some of those big time, or, or even maybe like, and I guess Woodstock to a degree, but yeah, that's that's just me. You know, I I'm a music guy though, so there's that. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to say that uh, there's something that happened in Vanderbilt sports history in the past <laughs> that would be worthy of doing that. Although I was not at either of the national championship games for baseball, that would have been fun to be at uh, in Omaha. Dude, if you ever get a chance to I go know. to Omaha, that's what I hear. Regardless of who's playing. Yep. I was out there in '95 when UT went um, with um, R.A. Dickey and Todd oh, Helton. Yeah. That yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. And if I ever win the lottery, I'll go back. It's, yeah, it's, it's about what it takes to get there these days. Yeah. So for me, I would just go to Oklahoma City instead. To the women's, but college I'm a World softball Series. guy, so yeah, women's softball's not bad. But I, love I mean, it. just the electricity. I mean, obviously, when I went, it was still at Rosenblatt. I'm not sure what it's like at TD Ameritrade, but I'm sure it's pretty close to the same. Sure. All right. How about this? Over in Tokyo, they've got these public toilets on the street. But here's the thing. The walls are transparent while there's nobody in there. Okay. When you go in and lock the door, it's supposedly <laughs> closes you off. Any chance you're using that bathroom? None. Any, any chance you're trusting that it works? No. Yeah, no, no. That's no. my point, yeah. None. I, and it's a public bathroom. It's just yeah. on the street. Like, yeah. it's it's a porta potty kind of, but it's a permanent structure. No it's chance? It's a transparent porta potty that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So e- essentially, but I'm assuming it's it's plugged into plumbing. All right. So there, it's, these are at hope. parks, right? These <laughs> these are at different parks in Tokyo. Okay. There are two things we worry about when entering a public restroom, especially the those located at a park, according to the architect, whose name I cannot pronounce, Shigeru Bon. You said you couldn't pronounce it. I'm just going by that one. Uh, the first is cleanliness. The second is whether anyone is inside. Transparent walls can address both of those worries. So all of the worries, according to this, bond is on the outside before you go in. Uh, the cleanliness on the inside, yeah. so you can see inside. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I don't know. Um, if if mm. this was if we were visible, this would be the Danny DeVito meme of him just shaking his head violently. Just no, no. <laughs> do you guys do the wishing wells at places? You know the I, the ponds. I did at the Trevi Fountain in Rome, but that's um, if I have change. Yeah, that's that's always that's always a big. I, I can't remember the last time that I actually had change in my pocket. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, the aquarium in North Carolina at Pine Knoll Shores is glad lots of people did because they're using that change now to pay the bills. Wow. They're fishing out all the pennies and quarters and whatnot, and they're using them 
to keep the lights on. Well. It's pretty smart. Yeah. They drained a large waterfall in the facility and dredged up all the coins thrown in by wishful visitors. About 100 gallons of coins were cleaned and sorted and will go toward the general care of the aquarium and animals during this time. They asked folks to guess how much money 100 of gallon 100 gallons of coins adds up to and they say they will reveal the answer later this week. Um I have not seen the answer but I'm curious um, <laughs> how many years have they have people been throwing coins into this 100 gallon tank? So here's the thing is well this was from back in August, so I'm curious. There's got to be an answer at this point, right? You would think. Let's look it up here. We got how much money is 100 gallons? How much do you think it is? How much money in 100,000 gallons or 100 gallons? 100 gallons. I'm gonna say 150,000 dollars. Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just throwing that out there. I had to pay the bills. I mean, 100 gallons. 100 gallons. Now you're thinking pennies. Quarters, quarters, nickels, dimes. Yeah. There's a lot of quarters to go in there. I don't think it's 150000 I'm going to okay. go like... You're going to price this right me and go 149000 Yeah, <laughs> not, not $199,000. <laughs> yeah. Closest without going over, so... I'm going to go 100000 uh-huh. Now nah, you guys are not even close. Oh, it's way eight, over eight thousand five hundred sixty-three dollars oh. and seventy-one cents. Jeez, how many? That can't pay. Must too have been many a lot months. of pennies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How many light I mean, bills that can like that a- really pay? Uh, I have no idea. But Amy Campbell came the closest. She guessed eight thousand five hundred sixty-two dollars. So that she was off by dollar seventy-one. Good job, wow, Amy, Amy. Well done. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Once again, that is brought to you each week by our friends at JJ's Barbecue. Since 1998, the longest family-owned barbecue restaurant in Columbia. Visit them at jjsbarbecue.com. That's barbecue with a C. We appreciate their help and sponsorship of Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Six minutes to the top of the hour here at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We have... Very little high school sports schedule on tap for tonight. We have the District 12 AAA Volleyball Championship between Brentwood and Summit. And then, of course, Claudette Runk. She is at last. She teed off at about 40 minutes ago. And the only score update we have is that she parred hole one in round two, so she is still 12 over, shooting even par for the day. Currently in the lead is still Isabella Vanderbeest. She is plus one on the day at minus three. So that is currently... The the only lo- the, the closest local player is Sophia DePaulo DePaulo from Franklin who is one under for the day and plus two for the tournament and then Hannah Walton is tied for twelfth so there you go of course the big news coming this morning is that almost three of the four 
Friday night football games are now on Thursday. We will see what happens with the fourth one. We will see what happens with that as we go along. But Hurricane Delta has apparently swapped some things up for us, which is fine. No big deal. We will now see Summit travel to Franklin County on Thursday night, which can be heard right here on WKOM 1017 with Mike Epley and Matt Rogers. And then also on Thursday, Spring Hill will travel to Richland. And that game has been swapped from Spring Hill to Richland for Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And then Loretto at Mount Pleasant playing at 7 o'clock on Thursday night as well. So make sure to make that note if you're going to watch high school football this week. Hopefully it will keep you dry on Thursday night. Also on Thursday, Santa Fe will play in the District 10A Volleyball Tournament semifinals. The rest of that tournament pairing has yet to be announced, but they will play the 4 o'clock game. The second semifinal will be at 5.30, followed by the championship at 7 over in Centerville. Um, do want to mention that Zion Christian Girls Soccer will not be playing in the district tournament. They are – or the middle region tournament, I'm sorry. That's correct. Division two's is all mm-hmm. messy. Yeah. Uh, but Zion Christian will not play in the middle region tournament. So Columbia Academy will be in the – they'll play their first round game they will tomorrow. Host, they will host Friendship Christian tomorrow in the, in the middle region. And, again, Zion Christian will not play. Also um, – in girls soccer tomorrow, Lincoln County will travel to Columbia Central in a District 8 AAA play-in game. And the District 5 Tournament Championship will be played tomorrow at Richland. There you go. So again, not much tonight, but you can get out tomorrow and see plenty of high school athletics, football, and, of course, starting at 5 o'clock tomorrow, we will have TriStar Friday Night Live with J.P. Plant. Oh, one last thing. Tomorrow, District 8 AAA Volleyball Tournament semifinals at Columbia Central. Um, the Lady Lions play the second semifinal game against Lincoln County at 530. Championship game at 7. Regular season champion Coffee County plays either Shelbyville or Franklin County, whoever won that play-in, we are not sure. But that's tomorrow at Columbia Central. There you go. All right, again, we are happy to give you all that information. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. We've got a couple of great guests, including Spring Hill football coach Ben Martin will join us at 10 o'clock and much more. going to be a great day. We'll have Will Rab from our friends down at WCDT in winchester he'll join us as well in the first hour so talk about that summit franklin county guy it's gonna be a great one all right once again this is southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint we'll see you next time